and welcome to the Newton Knowledge Podcast. My name is Mark Singer, one of the partners at Newton One, and I'm joined today by my colleague, partner and principal of our firm, Stephen Target. Steve, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Mark. How are you doing? I am fantastic. The heat has settled down, so it's great to get out of your house and not be soaked. For those listening for the first time, the Newton Knowledge Podcast is intended to complement our Newton Knowledge webinars by providing meaningful content to our valued advisor community. And generally, anyone interested in learning more about sophisticated insurance-related topics focusing on estate planning and executive benefits. During our podcast, we focus our discussions on topical issues that will provide you with unique insight into the people, processes, and products that make our industry so critical. We will occasionally also highlight individuals who have been meaningful to Newton One and therefore have contributed to helping us serve our valued clients. Newton One is a national life insurance planning firm delivering insurance solutions structured to help clients and their advisors engaged in solving estate planning, wealth transfer, business succession, and executive benefits challenges. We are a member of the M Financial Group, offering our clients access to the nation's most prestigious insurance carriers who develop innovative products available only through our network. Today, we will have the privilege to talk with Mark Lingerfield. Mark is a partner and managing director at MPI, a business valuation firm, He is located in their Princeton office. Mark's responsible for client service and business development strategies in the Mid-Atlantic region. Since joining MPI, Mark has determined the value of closely held securities of companies for a variety of purposes, including estate and gift taxes, income taxes, employee stock ownership plans, corporate and shareholder planning, and S-corporation conversions. Mark has been with the firm for more than 22 years and holds finance degrees from the College of New Jersey and Ryder University. So to no further ado, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Mark and Steve. Just to, again, to expand a little bit on that very nice introduction. Yeah, I've been with the company a little bit more than 22 years, originally as a member of the analytical team and running a team of analysts, primarily doing business valuations for, for gift and estate tax purposes. About 10, 12 years ago, I moved into more of a business development role. Uh, I actively work with with new clients or uh, existing referral sources to help them structure their estate planning transactions and and get you know get the valuations of any hard to value assets off the ground. The firm MPI has been in business since 1939, primarily doing valuations for gift and estate tax purposes. We do have a few other departments such as litigation support, employee incentive plans, and and a few other groups along those lines, but. The overwhelming majority of the work that we do is for gift and estate tax planning transactions. Good. Well, Mark, thanks again for being with us. Let's let's jump right into it. As you know, as we all know, and all the listeners that are with us today also know, timing is critical. I mean, we're in a time and place right now where these valuations are really important. I know that you guys are super busy. We rely on you quite extensively when when we're looking for. Uh, valuations and appraisals. So let's let's talk about a couple um, high-level things first, and then let's dive into some actual case studies more specifically. And I guess my first question is a, a, really a general question, but you know, how would somebody know that they need to reach out to you and MPI and, and perhaps g- give us a couple examples of some projects that you've, you've worked on at a high level? Yeah. I mean, there typically is a, a transaction for the business owner that that is on the horizon. That's why ultimately they would need some sort of valuation help from a firm like MPI. And and that transaction could be intergenerational, meaning they're they're making transfers of interest in their business to either a trust 
or the next generation, uh, some sort of estate planning transaction like that. And then obviously also you have an estate tax situation. So business owner dies and his estate has to get his value, uh, his interest valued in order to report for, for federal estate tax purposes. So those are the two most common transactions we get involved in. But other reasons could be uh, business owner is, is starting to, to weigh his options about going forward. Perhaps there isn't family members or existing management that could reasonably buy the company. So we can work with the business owner to help him sort through all his options. You know, are there strategic buyers out there? Are there financial buyers? Perhaps uh, an employee stock ownership plan, otherwise known as, as an ESOP. You know, is that a possibility for the, the existing situation? So uh, there's a lot of different reasons why, why you may need a valuation, but typically there's a, a transaction on the horizon. Some of the projects we get involved in can be, you know, very large, complex organizations like a professional sports franchise. You know, we, we have a number of clients, you know, that own major league sports teams and, and we get hired to to help them value their, their interest in the team uh, for estate planning transactions. But then you have other situations like a, a relatively small uh, excavating contractor that we're currently working on. It could be a totally different valuation analysis, but uh, the objective is still the same. Uh, they're, they're typically doing some sort of intergenerational transfer to, uh, to the next generation or, or to trust for behalf of, of another generation. Then there's a number of other hard-to-value assets out there. Uh, carried interest in private equity, venture, or hedge funds are a, a very large part of our business right now. As those are, uh, if, if the timing's right, you can make a transfer of an interest at the early stage of that fund and, and value that interest at a relatively low value. Then other hard-to-value assets, fractional interest in real estate or insurance policies or, or promissory notes. So there, there's a number of different hard-to-value assets out there, um, and, and for the most part, we can, we can typically help in, in those situations. Well, it sounds like you can get very technical, obviously, in, in determining what the value is of a business or of an, of an entity. We at Newton One, as you well know, always collaborate with other professionals. We bring in the, the best of the best to help us with engagements and projects. And that's why we would, we would lean on you to make sure that uh, you and your colleagues to make sure that, that we have the right numbers and the right, the right data in order to do uh, a proper estate plan. Uh, and I don't know if this is a fair question to ask or if this is too technical, but is it, is it possible for you to give us some examples of different valuation methods that you might use? Yeah, it, it really, the, the type of method that you use is really depending or dependent upon the, the underlying asset that's being valued. So with a, a typical operating company, and I'll say a profitable operating company, we'll typically use the, either the market or income approach. And just at a, a fairly high level, the market approach is where we would go out and look for other uh, either publicly traded companies or other firms that have been acquired in the same general industry as, as the subject business. Now, we, we typically like to do a second valuation approach, which is called the income approach. And there's, there's different income approaches, but the most common is the discounted future cash flow analysis, where we work with management to develop projections for the business. Uh, and then essentially, you bring those back to present value at a risk-adjusted discount rate. This approach is 
very important to us right now. Uh, as you can imagine, the pandemic has created havoc for a lot of companies out there, both on the positive and negative side. You know, obviously, several industries have benefited from the pandemic and several others have been decimated. So you really need to project the cash flows of these businesses out to when they expect to get back to normalization. Some businesses, it's taking, you know, one year where maybe they're already back to normal. And there's several others that that are going to be impacted more on a long-term basis. So it's really important to, uh, to work with management to try to project when they can get back to normal. There's a few other asset approaches. You know, the asset approach is a um, uh, an approach you would use for an operating company that that may not be valuable as a going concern anymore. Whether it's in bankruptcy or the analyst may decide that there's more value to the company dead than alive. So basically, you're looking at some sort of liquidation value there. For asset-based holding companies, you know, we do a lot of family holding company valuations, whether it's holding real estate or securities or other alternative assets. Uh, basically, we would work up the net asset value of, of the particular partnership or LLC and then determine if there's any discounts associated with the subject interest that's being transferred. For example, if you're giving a limited partnership interest in a partnership that doesn't have any ability to control the operations of the business, there's some pretty significant discounting that can be taken uh, uh, to account for that. Other assets like insurance policies or promissory notes, there you're you're typically doing some sort of of income-based approach where you're projecting out the cash flows and bringing back those cash flows to present value based on on the risk of of receiving those cash flows. So hopefully I wasn't too technical there, but those are the most common... Uh, situations and and valuation approaches that we typically use. Well, we we sit here today. We're in the second half of July of 2021. You know, we've been talking about this for six months, and frankly, during the election, even last year, about potentially increasing income tax, capital gains taxes, corporate tax rates, uh, and I would say, in our opinion, probable increases to the estate tax rates and and uh, reduction in any exclusions. So we're all pretty busy these days. I mean, the, the backlog of work is is starting to pile up a bit. With the opportunity of, of our clients to also utilize some of the, the low interest rate environments to maybe do some intrafamily loans, you know, as we get to the end of this calendar year, uh, before any changes are made, or even as they are being made, I, I understand that there's an opportunity to use a, a clause that's called the defined value clause, which, uh, again, you're the expert here, so we'll ask you to, to give us a, a, maybe a little bit more detail. But as, as we understand it, this allows clients to complete transfers now prior to full completion of the uh, underlying asset appraisal. Um, and if we go back, and I've done a little bit of research on this, I, I see that there's a 2020 case, the Wandry decision, which uh, gives a little bit of flexibility. Is that something that you guys are looking at? Is that something that may be helpful to clients as they're, as they're approaching some of these potential changes? Yeah, that, that's a, it's a great question, and it comes up multiple times a day for me right now. You're exactly right. The, the estate planning industry uh, in general, is extremely busy as you know. Folks are lining up to do some some complex planning. I mean, I, I get asked all the time what what's going to happen with you know potential tax changes and everything you just listed is on the table. We we don't know exactly where it's going, but the the trust in the state attorneys that that we work with on a regular basis are are trying to motivate their 
their clients to, to do some of this planning. And, and one way that you can do it is through a defined value clause. And, and basically what this, uh, what this does is allows the planners to complete a transaction essentially before the, the actual valuation is done. Right now, valuations can take a couple months to get, uh, to get done. And if there's real estate involved, you may have to get an appraisal of, of the real estate done. So there's a lot that goes into these valuations sometimes. However, if, if the planner you know, appropriately writes the, uh, the transaction up and defines value, basically what that is, they insert the, the dollar amount of, of what they are, are hoping to, to transfer uh, and then the number of shares or the interest in the the percentage interest in the business is determined after the appraisal is done. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a number of different ways that that planners do it. We've seen it we've seen it done a number of ways, but essentially what it does is it allows the transaction to be a completed transaction and gives the appraisers and the planners uh, a bit more time to to make sure that the the valuation is done appropriately. As you well know, we at Newton One implore some some pretty sophisticated strategies, and one of the topics that comes up regularly is how do we create multiple generations of wealth? And uh, as we know, there's there's been another recent ruling or some discussion about uh, intergenerational split dollar programs, and specifically uh, what's happened with the Marsa case. So a number of years ago, MPI, uh, and Mark, you, I think you participated in this as well. You guys wrote a, a really good white paper, uh, on this topic, uh, on another client engagement that you had worked on. Uh, I believe that you had worked on, or, or perhaps it was just putting together a, a general fact pattern. Um, but with this, the, the recent court ruling on the Marset case, is there, are there any takeaways for our listeners um, from a valuation perspective that would be valuable to, to hear about? Yeah, I think, that, I think the biggest takeaway from the case is just getting the, uh, the appropriate language into all the documentation. You know, you have your, your, uh, your donors and donees. You need to make sure that there's no perceived or, or actual benefits that, that, are, that are sticking with the donor more than what you're hoping to do in the transaction. Uh, so there was, there was some language in this case that where the donor and the donee each had a say as to if the policy could be canceled or, or surrendered. Uh, and the IRS wasn't a big fan of that type of language, and ultimately uh, it w- was not a favorable outcome for the for the taxpayer here. So, so really, it's just making sure that that the the language is written into all documents, you know, to actually show what you're trying to accomplish, and and trying to take away any real power for the the donor of of, of such a policy here. Yeah, I think one of our takeaways is that. You know, we still believe that intergenerational split dollar is a, an opportunity to create wealth for G3, uh, down from G1, perhaps, at least G2, Generation 2. But, you know, we just maybe need to tap the brakes a little bit and make sure that everything is, is done appropriately. And, you know, bring in a firm like MPI to, to help uh, do the valuation of what, of what the, uh, the, the gifts may look like. So um, we're still favorable with, with the strategy. And I think, um, I think overall... Most planners would be as well. Everyone needs to take their time and do it the right way. I'm not suggesting it wasn't done the right way, but you know, moving forward now, we've got some uh, some different facts that we can we can insert in uh, how we put together the strategy. 
So uh, again, we're here in, in July of 2021 as we're approaching the end of the year and, and uh, some probable changes. Is there anything that you're seeing out there that would be uh, maybe unique planning opportunities or anything that you see that would be helpful to, for people to hear about with regard to uh, opportunities to do some, some work with MPI? Probably the, the, the most unique, you know, whether you call it an opportunity or, or whatever you want to call it, but is still the, the impact of, of the pandemic. There's still many industries that are, you know, haven't rebounded yet. You know, in a in a gift or estate tax situation, more often than not, the the lower the value, the better for the the transaction that's being considered. There's still a lot of industries that haven't made it out. You know, out of the poor cash flow for their for their particular business for for a variety of reasons. So there's still that opportunity for many industries, and you want to make that transfer. You know, at at the right time for other folks. You know, perhaps industries that are that are doing better. There's the, the tax situation uh, in Washington where, you know, which we've already touched on a number of times, there will likely be something that happens, whether it's at the end of 2021 or, or into 2022, we're just not sure, but there will likely be something that, that happens. And like I said, a, a lot of planners are really motivating or trying to motivate their clients to get things done as early as possible. Several times you've mentioned how busy the estate planning industry is, and the sooner the better is is what I can tell, uh, or what what I'm telling folks on a daily basis about trying to get these things done, because the the industry is extremely busy. We're still obviously taking on work for 2021 transactions. You know, we're a firm of about 60 people, so we can we can handle large volumes of work, but. The work is, is, is certainly still coming in fast. So the, the, the sooner you can get it, get the transaction uh, decided, you know, you can get in, in our queue or whatever appraisal firm's company uh, queue that, that you decide to use. But it's important to get the process going quickly. I think the, the end of the year is going to be uh, extremely busy, busy for this profession. Yeah, I agree. I I think this is our call to action, right? We'd like uh, we'd like to just make everyone aware that there's opportunities. There's probably some unique opportunities based on what's happening with current tax rates and valuation opportunities that will not be the same in most likely a reasonably short period of time. So let's get in there with all of our planners and get everyone sitting around a table and and see what sort of opportunities can be created. So Mark, I think that'll that closes up my formal questions. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, to share with the group today before we, we shut things down? No, I don't think so, Steve. Just want to thank uh, you guys and Newton One for, for including me here. Much appreciated. Super. Have a good rest of the summer, and uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. Take care now. Okay, thank you. The material and opinions voiced are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what is appropriate for you, please contact a member of our team.